Welcome to Woodlands Church. We are so glad that you are here because you're connected with us. And we love that. It's gonna be an amazing day at Woodlands Church. We've had an unbelievable weekend so far. So many people have connected with us this weekend and I actually have a real cannon, three real cannons here that I'm gonna shoot off during the message in just a little bit because we're gonna be talking about love and war. And really, it's all about how to handle conflict. Maybe you need that in your home right now. Maybe there's a little disharmony in your home with the stress level so high, anxieties and fears, and, and all those things come together to create a lot of anger and frustration, and we tend to take it out on the people we love the most. So we're in this series we're calling Real relationships, and we're getting real in relationships because it's getting real in our homes right now. And this is where the rubber meets the road. Christianity doesn't work in your relationships. It doesn't work. But the good news is, it does. And God wants to give you harmony in your home. So we're gonna talk about that in just a little bit and shoot off some of these cannons and we're gonna learn some things from God's word and I'm gonna illustrate some things that I think you'll never forget that'll be life-changing and relationship-changing. But we're gonna start off with some worship and we've got some live worship today. Woodlands Worship, um, we got a small team up here and we're gradually gonna get back to normal but it's gonna be a new normal. We can't wait until all you guys are at our campuses, at our physical locations, and it's gonna be packed out, and that day is coming, but here's the thing. We're still meeting. Just because we're not meeting in our physical locations, we're still meeting as a church. There are more people attending Woodlands Church during this crisis than ever before through connecting online, and so we're so glad you're connected with us. Maybe you got a cup of coffee in your hand. That's okay but let's sing together one of our Woodlands Worship originals, The Thrill of Your Love, because God's love is real, and he's in your house to make a difference in your life. So let's sing to him. I've always been interested in Civil War history, and one of the things I find so fascinating about the Civil War is when the war started, both sides had absolutely no idea how devastating and long-lasting the war would be. They really weren't prepared at all. One of the first battles of the Civil War was on a Sunday afternoon, and people gathered in a field around Manassas, Virginia to watch the battle. And some came in stylish carriages, and they brought picnic baskets to watch what they thought would be a quick victory for the Union soldiers against the unimpressive rebellion of Confederate soldiers. They brought picnic baskets to a battlefield. But they seriously misjudged the battle. Because when that first cannon fired off, it got real, real quick. You see, some of the artillery landed right next to the picnickers, and they couldn't believe it. And before they knew it, their Union soldiers were retreating past them with blood on their uniforms, some screaming in agony. They soon realized this was no picnic, this was war. People left their picnic baskets and grabbed frightened children and started running for their lives with the retreating soldiers right beside them. In fact, some of the spectators that day 
were captured and held prisoner throughout the war. I'm sure none of them ever brought a picnic basket to a battlefield again. And folks, this COVID-19 crisis has been described as a war, a war against an invisible enemy. But I want you to realize that in this crisis, there is another invisible enemy who has declared war on families, who has declared war on marriages, who has declared war on deep and close relationships. Our enemy, Satan, is always trying to tear apart relationships, trying to create discord, confusion, and disconnection. And this coronavirus crisis is not just a health crisis, it's not just an economic crisis, but it's turning out to be a relational crisis of epic proportion. The enemy is having a field day in families. Domestic abuse is on the rise. There's so much anger that is out of control. And with the stress level so high and anxiety rising, we tend to take our frustrations out on the people closest to us. There's a lot of disharmony in the home. That's because a lot of us are bringing picnic baskets to the battle for deep and lasting relationships. That's why we're starting this new series about getting real in our relationships. Today we're gonna talk about conflict. And because conflict is inevitable, but it's what you do with the conflict that determines if you grow deeper or you get destroyed in your relationship. So we're gonna dig in and talk about conflict because if you don't learn how to fight together, you're gonna be constantly at war with each other. Really, there are three stages that relationships go through. First is what I call delight. That's when you think you have a picnic basket full of perfection and you're so excited, and you think you've got this picnic basket full of perfection, and all you see is how perfect the other person is. All you see is how perfect your relationship is. It's in marriage when you think you have the perfect marriage and you've married the perfect person. It's in a business partnership when you think you finally found the business partner that really gets you, and it's the perfect partnership. It's with a friend when you think, I've got this new friend, they're the perfect friend. Everything is just Perfect, you got a picnic basket full of perfection. But then the second stage hits, disillusionment. That's when you actually open up the picnic basket that you thought was filled with perfection, you find that it's filled with conflict. And after the first conflict, all you see is the imperfections. All you see is the other person's flaws and annoying habits. And then you start getting hurt by each other and the hurts begin to build up and and they begin to, like a cannon fire, come at you constantly and chip away at all the love in the relationship. But then there's a third stage. Now, the first two stages you can't avoid. I mean, you're gonna go through them. Everyone is gonna have that delight stage where you think everything's gonna be perfect. You can't help feeling that. Those are feelings that come in every new and close relationship, but then you'll hit disillusionment and you can't avoid that because delight stage is not reality. But then you have a choice. You can't avoid the first two stages, but you can avoid the third one, destroy. Destroy. Because if you're not prepared, you will move into search and destroy. It's where love turns to war. You start fighting each other instead of fighting for deeper connection. But instead of destroy, if you know how to handle conflict, you can't avoid conflict, it's gonna happen. 
But if you know how to handle conflict and you know how to fight for a deeper connection, then you'll go to depth. That's when you're fighting. You have struggles. You have difficulties, but you're fighting for a deeper connection, and it brings you closer than ever before. I want us to look at our key passage today. It's in Song of Solomon. It's one of my favorite passages in Scripture, Song of Solomon 8, verses 6 and 7, and it's what love really is. Love is invincible, facing danger and death. Passion laughs at the terrors of hell. The fire of love stops at nothing. It sweeps everything before it. Floodwaters can't drown love. Torrents of rain can't put it out. Love can't be bought. Love can't be sold. It's not to be found in the marketplace. He's saying here that love can't be destroyed with conflict. In fact, conflict is essential for love to become real love. Without conflict, there is no real love. You have to have conflict in order to move to depth. It is essential but it's how you handle that conflict that will determine if you move into destruction or depth. So what do I do to handle conflict? And this is right where we live. We're getting real because it's getting real in our homes and it's right where we live, the conflict that we're all having. And just know that this is a great opportunity to really go to new depths in your relationships. First, lower your defenses and risk revealing your true feelings. We all go into relationships with the walls up because we're afraid to reveal ourselves because if you really know what I'm like, you may reject me. We have this deep fear of rejection as human beings. And so we'll do just about anything to keep from being rejected and we put these walls up, but those walls keep us from deep and close relationships. Now here's the really cool thing. When you're in a close relationship like a marriage, you can't avoid taking the walls down because it just takes too much energy to keep the walls up all the time. But when you first get married, you got some walls up. I mean, they don't know everything about you. And so what happens is the real you is eventually gonna come through. All your annoying habits and faults and flaws and your real feelings, they're gonna come through. You can't stop it, you know, in a close relationship. That's what's happening right now in our homes. I mean, we all have these issues and this baggage and all these imperfections and brokenness in our lives, but we can hide it pretty well when we're always on the go. But once we're all forced to stay close together for any period of time at all, it's gonna come out. And that's why you're having the problems you're having right now and having harmony in your home. The frustrations are coming out. And a lot of times... We say, well, that's just not me. Well, it is. It's just in there. The pressure just brings it out. We talked about that last weekend. And that pressure is bringing it out. But the great thing is it's a great opportunity because these issues that were already there are coming out to the surface now. And you can actually deal with them. And so the conflict is not a bad thing. And so what happens is when you start telling the truth, when you start revealing your true feelings, conflict happens. But Ephesians 4.15 tells us, Truth is the only way to live. It says, instead, we lovingly follow the truth at all times, speaking truly, dealing truly, living truly. You see, the truth is the only way to have deep relationships. You have to take the wall down and reveal your true feelings and your fears, your flaws have to come out. Your brokenness comes out. 
And that's the only way you can go to real depths because otherwise it's a superficial relationship unless you really know each other. And that's when you get to the place where you really know each other and you love each other just the same. And that's intimacy in a marriage relationship. You see, Jesus said the truth will set you free. And that is so true. But it'll make you miserable at first. When you begin to share the truth, when you begin to reveal your true feelings, and that's gonna happen in a marriage relationship or in a close relationship, eventually your flaws and feelings are gonna come out, the real you is gonna come out, and when it does, it produces conflict. The truth will set you free, but it'll make you miserable at first, but it's the only way to get to freedom. The truth, then conflict, then freedom. Depth, intimacy. And that's what God wants for your closest relationships. And so I want us to move to the second point, that is stop fighting each other and start fighting for a deeper connection. You're gonna have conflict. If there's any chance for a relationship to move beyond superficial, you're gonna have conflict. But it's how you fight that makes all the difference. There's destructive conflict, and there's a lot of destructive conflict because people are totally unprepared. They brought a picnic basket to the battlefield, and they have no clue how to really fight for connection. And so what happens, it's like a couple of cannons and two people, you kind of line up and they are against each other. They think my mate is my enemy, that friend is my enemy. And what happens is uh, one of them starts to attack and and attacks the other one in anger, and it comes out. And what happens is, they'll just put the defenses up because whenever you make me mad, you did this to me, then the other person's gonna put their defenses up. You're not gonna get anywhere. They're not just gonna put their defenses up, but I can tell you that they're gonna fight back. Usually they're gonna attack in their way back, and they're gonna come back. And so, what happens is they both put their defenses up and it creates this smoke screen where they don't really see what the real issue is. <clears throat> what they've done is just attack each other. And what happens is they're really shooting at themselves, especially in a marriage relationship. Whenever you're attacking each other, you're just tearing down yourself because you're one. You're tearing down the marriage relationship. It makes no sense because your mate is not your enemy. It says in Ephesians 4, 26 and 27, go ahead and be angry. You do well to be angry, but don't use your anger as fuel for revenge and don't stay angry. Don't go to bed angry. Don't give the devil the kind of foothold in your life. Now it says you do well to be angry. That's important. He's saying anger is a good thing. It just means you care, but it's how you express it. Conflict is a good thing. It's just how you fight that will determine if you destroy your own marriage relationship, or you take it to a whole new depth. You see, every relationship starts out weak and superficial. It's just a weak and superficial connection. That's just the way every relationship that starts out, every marriage starts out weak and superficial. They think, oh no, we're so close. You know, we are just alike, and we are so close. Everything is perfect, but that's not true. It just feels that way because you're in the delight phase. Really, it's a weak and superficial relationship, but then to get to strong and deep connection, 
there is a cavern of conflict that you have to go through. And this cavern of conflict is so important to understand because there have been many times in my marriage where Chris and I go through the tavern of, this cavern of conflict. We go through the cavern of conflict whenever we get into an argument, and many times I wanna move right back out of the cavern of conflict. I wanna get out of it because it's very uncomfortable, and I don't like conflict, and we get into the, the cavern of conflict, and oh, I wanna get, but when I do that, I bring us both back to superficial in an area of our lives. But if we stay in that tunnel of conflict and we work through it and we work through it, we realize our goal is to get to a whole new depth, then we come out with a new depth, intimacy, totally understanding each other, understanding and seeing that you're real, seeing that I'm real and yet having a deeper relationship. And so I've gotta stay at it, I've gotta stay in that cavern of conflict, that battlefield, and learn how to fight so that we fight for connection. And really, there are two things that you don't do during this battlefield of conflict. Don't attack and don't retreat. Don't attack and don't retreat. It says in Ephesians 4.26, don't use your anger as fuel for revenge. You see, really, there are two types of uh, handling conflict. Two types of people in the way they handle conflict. Uh, one is an attacker and one is a retreater. Uh, usually that's the way it is. Now sure, they both attack at times. They put up defenses at times and attack, but usually there's one that's more the predominant attacker that will start fearing losing connection and seeing the other person getting a little distant and aloof and then they'll attack with emotions or attack in anger or they'll attack or sometimes it'll just build up and then they will explode in anger, attackers. But really, they're just attacking because they fear losing connection, because they, they wanna bring about a close connection because we have this deep fear as human beings of losing connection, and so we'll do these things to try to get connection back that'll really create more disconnection, and they're more destructive, and that's exactly what the attacker does. They, they, their intentions are they wanna bring a closer connection, but what they're doing is just really tearing apart the connection even more. But Ephesians 4, 26 and 27 says, don't go to bed angry, don't give the devil the kind of foothold, that kind of foothold in your life. And so this is talking about the retreaters who avoid conflict at all costs because they always think conflict is bad. Maybe you grew up thinking that conflict is a bad thing, any type of arguments, any type of conflict, that's bad, you've gotta avoid that because that's not a good thing. And that's just not true. Conflict is good. It's the only way that you can get to a deeper relationship. It's bad conflict that's bad. It's destructive conflict that is bad. And really, the person that retreats, there's usually an attacker and there's a retreater. A retreater is just kind of pretend like nothing's wrong, wants to avoid it at all costs, move away from it. But really, they fear losing connection too, just as much as the attacker. It's just that they wanna just pretend like there's no issue and everything's great and everything's wonderful when that's not the case. And so they think that's gonna help them keep connection, but it doesn't. It destroys connection. And so don't attack and don't retreat. The second thing you do though is stay on the battlefield until you hear their heart. Don't attack, don't run, don't retreat. Stay on the battlefield and keep talking it out. When you're in an argument, 
Keep talking it out. Keep talking it out. It's messy. You'll be frustrated. Emotions will run high. But you keep talking it out. You stay at it. And listen. One of my biggest problems is, has been listening. A lot of times when Chris and I are arguing, I'm always trying to get my point across. And I'm always trying to say, no, that's not what I meant. You don't understand. Rather than listening to her heart and how she feels. And so Dr. Paul here at Woodland Church has taught us how to do reflective listening taught me how to do reflective listening, and that is just to be able to listen to her in the middle of the emotion, in the middle of our conflict, to listen and then to repeat back to her what she said. If she says, I feel like I'm misunderstood, I feel like, I feel like you're totally misunderstanding me, then I say, so you're feeling like you're totally misunderstood. She says, yeah, I really do. And then I try to stop and think, how would that feel to be misunderstood? Instead of going, no, I understand you completely. It's not a logical thing. We're trying to connect hearts. And so I'll say that must feel lonely and isolating to be misunderstood and to feel misunderstood. And we began to like connect at a deeper level. She does that with me all the time. And, and, and yes, we're emotional. Yes, we're frustrated. Yes, the tension can be high, but yet we just stay at it. And we've decided we're not gonna go to bed angry because when you go to bed angry, anger changes and it turns into something called bitterness. And bitterness gives the devil a beachhead in your life and in your relationships. And once he gets a beachhead of bitterness, then it becomes more difficult to turn the tide. And so it's really important just to listen to each other in the middle of the heated argument. But then the third thing, and this is really important, is identify the real enemy and the real fortress. See, the Bible reminds us the battle's not against flesh and blood, but against spiritual forces. And it's so important to remember this because when you're in conflict with someone really close to you, you start thinking of them as the enemy. But they're not. You're on the same team. You're fighting for the same thing. You're fighting for connection. The real enemy is Satan, and he wants to destroy your marriage and destroy your family and destroy you. In John 10, 10, Jesus said, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. So Satan's purpose is he wants to steal away your passion. He wants to kill your love and your joy and your closest relationships. He wants to destroy marriages. He's always working toward that. There's a spiritual battle going on all the time, and the enemy is an expert at knowing those raw places in your life, and he will put things in your life that will create conflict because he wants to destroy you. In marriage, he will put things in your life that will create conflict because he wants you to handle it wrong, and it will destroy you and turn into bitterness, and he'll get a beachhead of bitterness in your life. But here's the thing. Whenever Satan in his crafty ways puts a conflict in your path, puts an issue and it comes up in your path, he's taking a great risk. Because if you surrender to God and if you fight for connection and you stay on the battlefield until you get to connection, then he loses big time. Because the only way that you can move to deep connection is through conflict. And so he's taking a great risk to put that crisis in your life, to put that conflict in your life. And that's why right now, 
Yes, in many ways, Satan is having a field day in families through this coronavirus crisis, but I'm telling you, this crisis is the greatest opportunity that we've ever had in my lifetime to break through barriers that have been in families and relationships and in marriages for years. And I'm telling you, God is turning it on Satan because this crisis is Christ time. This crisis is the greatest opportunity that we've ever had to grow deeper and closer in our marriages, in our families, in our relationships, because all the issues that we run around avoiding all the time are right there in our face, and you can't avoid it. And so this is our time. This is our opportunity. But we have to remember we're in a spiritual battle. There is an enemy out there hey, we've been doing so many things at Woodlands Church to meet physical needs. We have fed thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people, especially healthcare workers and medical professionals who are on the front lines. Um, We've been feeding a lot of homeless people. This last week, we fed over 700 people. We've been making masks. Just this last week, we made 200 more masks to give out. We've been doing so much to feed the homeless and the hurting and, and also to help and encourage our medical professionals we're doing blood drives. We've got another one coming up, Gulf Coast Regional Blood Center. They're running low again, and so we're going to help them out again in May to do another blood drive. And last time, we gave enough blood to save 1,700 lives. But, but here, here's the thing. Through all these things we're doing to meet physical needs, we're also praying. Every day, our pastors meet at one, and we pray for you because it's a spiritual battle. We fight on our knees praying for you for God to protect you and strengthen you and give you wisdom in this spiritual fight that we're in. In fact, we've been sending prayer teams to hospitals and they'll go in the parking lot of the hospital, roll their window down and and they'll all sing praise songs and they'll pray for the medical professionals and for the people who are sick uh, with COVID-19 and for the people who are hurting and for protection and provision and strength, praying against the enemy because it's a spiritual battle. You fight on your knees for your family, for those you love, for the people on the front lines, and that's what we're doing. And so I wanna show you a little video of a, our team in Atascacita that went to the hospital at Memorial Hermann Northeast and prayed and cheered for medical professionals as they came out. Just watch. Isn't that awesome? And you can help us with that. We're going to more hospitals this week and to give food, uh, to do ministry, and to pray because there's an enemy, but there's also a fortress and a healer. Jesus said, I came to give you life, life in all its fullness. He wants to fill your marriage with life and passion. He he wants to breathe new life into a dying relationship. He is the protector and the healer, and he fights for you and your family. See, everyone goes into marriage or into a friendship, into any close relationship, broken and all messed up. It's just the delight phase covers it up at the time. And in marriage counseling, I've had couples say, well, when we first got married, everything was perfect. It was perfect. It was wonderful. And, and now it's terrible. You know, we're broken and we're just a mess. But that's not reality. It's not true. You didn't start out perfect and then turn into a mess. And no, every person goes into marriage broken and a mess because we're all broken in our sins and we're a mess. And here's the thing. 
if you can admit that and say, God, I'm broken and I'm a mess, but I give it to you, then he can take your brokenness and bring something beautiful out of it. If you both admit that to God in a marriage, then God can take your brokenness and he can build something beautiful out of it through you as you build one block at a time, one brick at a time, building something beautiful out of the brokenness. If you admit, God, I'm a mess, and going into any relationship, you're a mess. God, I'm a mess. Well, he can take your mess and he can work a miracle out of it. That's how God works. I'm so glad that he's the healer of brokenness. And that's why in this next verse, it's so powerful. And Isaiah 53, 5 says, but he, Jesus, was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. And by his wounds, we are healed. Because of what Christ did on the cross, Jesus can heal your brokenness. Jesus can heal a broken marriage. Jesus can heal a broken family. Jesus can heal a broken heart. Jesus is the healer. Remember in the Garden of Gethsemane when Jesus was struggling with all his human emotions, knowing he was going to the cross, knowing he was gonna take on the sins of the world and die this horrible, agonizing death on the cross. And as he prayed, he said to his father, I, I don't feel like doing this. I don't have these feelings of love right now, but he loved us. And he prayed this in Luke twenty two forty one: Father, remove this cup from me, but please, not what I want. I want what you want. And at once an angel from heaven was at his side, strengthening him. And he prayed on all the harder and sweat wrung from him like drops of blood and poured down his face. See, Jesus, being all God and yet all human, in his human emotions felt like giving up. He didn't feel these loving feelings for you and me at that moment, but he loved us completely. So he surrendered to his Father. And he said, I don't feel like going to the cross. Is there any other way? But not what I feel like. It's what you want, Father, because if there's no other way, I love them so much, I want them to come into our family. And he surrendered to his Father. And then he chose as an act of will to ignore his feelings at the time and keep fighting for connection with us. That is real love. He surrendered his feelings and he chose as an act of his will to keep fighting for connection. And there are times in a marriage relationship where you have to surrender it all to the Lord and say, not my will, but your will, Lord. You have to choose as an act of your will to fight for connection in spite of your feelings. You have to choose to fight no matter what your feelings are. You can't let your feelings dictate it because feelings come and go. Sometimes we feel totally in love. Sometimes the feelings just aren't there. But love is not a feeling, folks. Love is a choice that produces powerful feelings, but it's not a feeling. It's a commitment. It's a choice. Now, there's a big difference between giving up and surrendering. When you surrender, God fills you with his power to keep fighting. But when you give up, you lose all your power. In fact, Jesus surrendered. When he came to that place of surrender and he said, Father, it's not what I want. I don't feel like it, but it's not about my feelings. It's what you want. I surrender. His father sent an angel to strengthen him. And it says, then he prayed harder. He fought harder for us. Whenever you surrender to God and say, God, I give you the results. I'm just going to obey you whether I feel like it or not. I'm just going to love whether I feel like it or not. God, it's in your hands. I'm just going to obey. He fills you with his power. He gives you fulfillment. He fills you with passion. It's an amazing thing. You surrender to God and God lifts you up with his strength to keep fighting for connection. One of my favorite movies all times, the classic Rocky. 
I'm not talking about Rocky 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, or however many there are. You know, I'm just talking about the first Rocky, the original classic, where the unknown fighter, Rocky Balboa, fights the great champion, Apollo Creed. And Apollo Creed is just beating the pulp out of Rocky until about the middle of the fight, and then something happens. It's like Rocky just surrenders. He surrenders the resolve. It's like he doesn't care if he wins or loses anymore. He doesn't care what everyone in the crowd thinks about him. He surrenders his reputation. He doesn't care if they call him a champ or if they call him a loser. He doesn't care if he lives or dies. He just totally surrenders. And he's filled with this strength and this power. And he starts fighting back. And the music picks up. And it gets so exciting. And Rocky is fighting back. And Apollo Creed realizes this guy's not going to stay on the ground. Something's going on here. And the music just keeps building. And it all comes out of the surrender. And when you get to the place where you don't care what anyone else thinks about you anymore, where you don't care about how things are going to end up, you're just gonna obey. You don't care about your reputation anymore. You don't care whether you live or die. It's all in God's hands. When you get to that place of surrender, God fills you up with his power and he gives you his peace because it's not about the result, it's about the redeemer. And you know that he'll redeem every single thing He'll redeem your losses. He'll redeem the pain. He'll redeem everything for his purpose. And you just trust in him. And he fills you with his strength to keep fighting. I'm so grateful that our God is in the active business of redeeming. In Joel 2.25, he says, and I will restore the years the locust has eaten. You may feel at this point in your life that you're just too messed up. You're just too broken. There have been too many mistakes made either by you or someone else that has affected your life. Or maybe it's an illness or maybe it's a problem or a situation in this crisis just overwhelming you. Or, or maybe it's the loss of someone you love. You don't know how you're ever going to get past it. God says, I can redeem everything. There's no tragedy that you've suffered that he can't redeem and somehow create something beautiful out of it. And our part is just to keep turning toward him, to keep turning toward the light in the darkness. We can't see which end is up if we continue to walk with him, to follow him, to keep praying, to keep connecting, to keep taking baby steps, whether we feel like it or not, whether we understand it or not, he will do the miracle of bringing about beauty from the brokenness. See, a lot of people stop fighting just before the blessing and they, they're fighting and they're fighting and they're fighting and they're, and they're taking those steps and taking those steps, doing what God's called them to do. And then they give up just before the blessing is there. They fight and fight and then they give up and they miss the blessing. And a lot of people give up just before the blessing. If you feel like giving up, don't give up. Just surrender to God. Surrender the result to God. Surrender your reputation to God. Surrender your life to God and he'll fill you with the strength to keep fighting. Don't give up the blessing that's just around the bend. No pain can stop God's purpose for your life. Don't give up. Keep looking to the Lord, surrendering to his strength. Don't throw in the towel. Just give up to God and surrender to him and hold on for the blessing. It's just around the corner. The French artists Renoir and Matisse were really good friends, and they spent a lot of time together. And as they grew older, Renoir developed this debilitating arthritis that he had so much pain and agony when he moved he was at times nearly paralyzed with it. But he struggled so much, but he kept on painting. 
at an enormous cost of pain to himself. He would continue to take his brush in his gnarled hand and dip it in the paint and apply it to the canvas. And Matisse was just dumbfounded at how he kept doing this when he was in such agony. And one day, Matisse asked his friend Renoir, why do you keep painting when it hurts so much? Why? And Renoir replied, because the beauty remains, the pain passes. And see, that's how it is with our life. The beauty will remain. The beauty will always remain. We have pain. We have this ugliness and pain and brokenness and mess. We're not to deny that, but this pain will pass. And we're promised a future in Christ, in heaven, where there's no more tears and no more sorrow. We're promised God's presence on this earth. And when we do experience pain, he's right there. And not only that, but we have a family of believers who come alongside us and bear our burdens with us. I just encourage you today, don't give up. Don't give up. Don't give up. There's beauty to be had from the painful episodes in your life. There's beauty that can still be taken out and rescued and redeemed from the toughest places in your life. And the reason that we can be sure of that is because the most evil act in all history brought about the most good the world has ever seen. The cross is the ultimate example of how God can take something so horrible and evil and turn it into something so beautiful, precious, and sacred. That's what God wants to do in your life right now. And if you've never received Christ as your Savior, we've had thousands during the last few weeks commit their life to Christ. You can do that right now. You can just say this prayer to God. Dear God, I'm broken. I'm sinful. I need forgiveness like everyone else. So I accept your free gift of your son, Jesus Christ, who died on the cross for me. I accept your forgiveness and salvation. I bring my brokenness and my mess and sins to you and ask you to make something beautiful out of it. Save me. I accept your free gift of heaven one day. I want you to be the Lord of my life from now on. In Jesus' name. If you prayed that prayer, Christ came into your life through his Holy Spirit. He will never leave you. Would you just click, I'm raising my hand to say that I want to be saved. And Christ just saved me. Just raise your hand. Just click that online right now. You're raising your hand. You're making that decision. And you can talk to our pastors who are on the chat line right now about it. And, and I just want to say to all of you Christ followers out there, don't give up. Don't give up. The blessing is just around the corner. Keep fighting with God's strength, but give up to God and surrender everything to him, and you'll be filled with his power. Well, now we're at the time in our service where we give back to God some of what he's given us, and we give because we love him. We love what he's doing through these ministries, and I know that this is a time where the church is shining. We're stepping out in faith to do ministry. We're stepping out in faith because we know where God guides, God provides, and Christ's time is Christ's time. And when everything goes dark, the church rises up and becomes the light. And that's what you're doing, Woodland Church. And part of that is God's provision. And so I really encourage everyone to give. We can't all give the same amount, but we can all give. There's so many people hurting, but we can all give. And we're meeting so many needs of hurting people in our church and outside of our church. And we're just doing it because we believe God's called us to do it. And we believe God will provide. And so... And maybe you can't give much, but just give what you can. Every one of us can trust God with our finances and put him first during this time. And maybe God's given you some extra. Maybe you've been really blessed. Um, this is time to give something sacrificial. 
to give something because the church needs it. And we just really challenge everyone to give, to put God first, to give him the first part of all you make, and he will provide for you. You watch. You watch what God does. That's his promise, not mine. It's God's promise, and he always comes through with his promises. Well, how do you give? You go to wc.org slash give. If you've never given online, figure it out. You can do it. It's really easy. wc.org slash give. Or you can give on your smartphone, and that's text give wc one word you got to do it in one word give wc to 77977 give wc one word to 77977 or you can mail it into one fellowship drive the woodlands texas 77381 one fellowship drive the woodlands texas 77381 and and we'll get that but we're going to step out more than ever this week feeding people meeting the needs of hungry and homeless and and building up our medical professionals and meeting their needs, doing the blood drive, all these things, all the ministries that we're activating, God's doing an amazing thing, and you can be a part of it through your giving and through your serving. Even when the world seems to fall apart, God's right there. Don't ever forget that. We're gonna sing a Woodlands Worship original. Won't forget as we give back to God. Lord, bless our giving. I pray for your blessing and strength on every person who's giving, that you would just give them peace and strength and provision. Lord, we also pray you'd take these gifts and you'd multiply them for your glory to be used to meet the needs of so many people who need you, Jesus, and need encouragement during this time. For it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Hey, church. Thanks for listening to the Woodlands Church with Carrie Shook podcast. By listening, we hope that you're encouraged wherever you are. If you haven't already, we'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast so that you can get the latest messages each week. For more information on Woodlands Church, check out the description for a link to our website and how to connect with us. We hope you have a great week.